This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Now, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or live chat sessions with your therapist, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to surviving narcissism listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself. Now that's betterhelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. And thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast. This is Michelle, the Program Director, and I would like to start this episode with a short introduction. For those of you new to this podcast, Surviving Narcissism is a product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. This week, Dr. C's topic will be Healing from Hidden Abuse, featuring Shannon Thomas. Well, hello, Team Healthy. I'm so glad that you're back with me for yet another of our podcasts. We're trying to figure out this whole topic of narcissism and you know how to make sense of it so that you're not going to be harmed in the process. Um, I, I have a, a very special guest. Uh, okay, Shannon, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this and it's going to come out all wrong. She's an okay. old friend and I've known her for a long time too. Yep. So, so, <laughs> so you're not that old. Uh, yeah, there you go. Hey, no, I'm all right. I'm embracing 52. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have known Shannon Thomas for quite some time and uh, we used to practice in the same community. Uh, South Lake, Texas, and that's where Shannon still is. I'm, y'all know I moved down to Waco a while back, and Shannon has been in private practice there in South Lake. How many years now? Oh, geez, that make me math. Uh, let's see. I about 2007 I started working, and then I opened up the agency in 2009. So okay, so uh, let's do the math bit. on that. Yeah, that let, we'll let our listeners figure that part out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've been in social work since uh, 20. 2000 so yeah now you, you yeah. got your degrees over in california right until you I did um somehow or another decided texas was the same as nirvana and you moved over to yep. texas and, <laughs> and you that's moved. exactly it never look back <laughs> <laughs> the, the old bumper sticker I, I wasn't born here but i got here as quick as i could amen yep, yep. so Very here we, we we have the advantage of having shannon thomas and, and shannon is a, a gifted therapist and has written books. Um, your your two main books that you have are uh, Healing from Hidden Abuse and then Exposing Financial Abuse. And you and I have done some interviews in the past on that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the thing about Shannon, though, that makes you, Shannon, uh, such a unique individual is you have quite a backstory. I do. And, yeah. and you, you've been through a lot. And, uh, and that is part of what makes you who you are right now. And so I don't know how much you want to get into all of that, but you, you've written this book about uh, 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 healing from hidden abuse. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of curious, what prompted you to write that book in the first place? And, uh, you know, how does that speak into issues that are so personal to you? 
Yeah, you know, when I started seeing clients, I was doing, you know, marriage counseling and I was doing all kinds of wide variety. When you first start out, you're just trying to kind of find your focus, trying to find your spot. And I was doing the 50-50 marriage counseling, you know, the idea of how we're trained within our, you know, social work or counseling or for you, you know, psychology degree programs is, you know, 50% of the problems of marriages are the other person and the other person has a 50% responsibility. And, you know, everyone kind of figured that out. And there were just several client set you know groups of couples that I was just like something else is going on here because somebody is really making this difficult to like a 70 30 almost I was like okay that doesn't fit with what I've been trained that you know everyone brings something to the table and literally someone gave me your book back in probably 2007 uh, enough about you let's talk about me and I read it and I was like Yes, this, this is what is going on. Because like I said, we're not trained in our master's program to spot, at least I wasn't, to spot uh, narcissistic abuse recovery or narcissistic abuse uh, dynamics, the assessment, the treatment, all of that. We just kind of skim over personality disorders a little bit. So when I got your book and I read it, I was like, okay, now this is exactly what I'm seeing in some of those other couple situations. So as time went on uh, in 2016, I ended up releasing Healing from Hidden Abuse because I felt like at that point, I mean, you were truly one of the pioneers that started talking about this topic back, I think uh, Enough About You was released in what, 2005? Uh, I think it's 2004, yeah, right along four, in four, that five. time okay. frame, yeah. Yeah, so you were really one of the first that I ever saw and really impacted my career and really impacted my understanding to help clients. And then by you know 2015, I really had worked with a lot more people um, and had a better idea of what the journey was, at least working with me through the stages of recovery. And I didn't see anything published out there that was from someone who was licensed like yourself and like myself that really went through at that point with those, that terminology in 2015-16, the steps to actually walk out recovery, because not everybody had access to coming in and seeing a therapist who specializes in narcissistic abuse. And so I wanted to write Healing from Hidden Abuse to outline really what we did in the office. So there were six stages that I saw clients go through, and I kind of wanted to put that in book form, it was all rattling around in my head. So I figured I might as well get it out of my head. Can you, can and you onto bullet paper. point those six days yeah. for me? Sure. It's a uh, despair where we're sort of like, I have no idea what's going on. Um, I just know something's really unhealthy. Then we get to education where we get right to understanding what is gaslighting, what is the idealization, devaluing, discarding stages education, we have to get to that. Otherwise, survivors are just going to continue to be blaming themselves. Third stage is awakening, where we have this epiphany of, oh, wow, this is really what I've gone through. Then we have to do something with that understanding. So we get to stage four, uh, boundaries. And then after we've set boundaries, that can either be going no contact or like for a lot of folks, it's having to go detach contact. Um, I think you call it something else in enough about right, right. you. Yep. So we have to do some form of I'm going to be in this, but I'm going to be in this in a very different space than I was mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, all of those things. And that stage four, you know, boundaries, that stays for a long time. And then we move into stage five restoration as to what was stolen, what was sort of displaced, what needs to be healed. And that's an exciting stage. And then we get to stage six, which is maintenance. So part of the stage five is, uh, is the part where you actually uh, go deeper and deeper into the, 
uh, why don't we call it not rediscovery, but just completely um, rewriting your script? Would that be a good way to put it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, if I didn't enjoy vacationing with, you know, a toxic family or a narcissistic partner, then I'm going to embrace how can I, you know, travel now if I can do it in a way that is peaceful and calm or if holidays or, you know, celebrations were always ruined by that toxic person. Now I'm going to really embrace doing something new. And to me, that's just an exciting stage. And actually it's where we ended up in 2000, my mouth, 2019, uh, in May, we started Keep Dreaming Big Project, which is a nonprofit. And it Did really- Say that again? Yeah, we started Keep Dreaming Big Project. Keep Dreaming Big, okay. Yep, and uh, it is a nonprofit and we grant wishes for abuse survivors through non other nonprofit agencies for restoration. It's not the, you know, food, clothing, shelter. It's truly like, I loved art and my abuser kind of kept me from doing that. And so we grant wishes for art classes. Okay. One wish that we had was um, uh, during a domestic violence episode, an abuser destroyed a violin and this survivor loved to play, was living in a shelter and we were able to restore and purchase her her own violin. So those were those six stages that we went through, but I love restoration. I love stage five so much, but why I ended up writing Healing from Hidden Abuse was both what I was seeing clinically, but also what I went through myself. I think reading your book, Enough About You, Let's Talk About Me, that book, I still have my, my old version, and it is so written up, and there are so many things underlined, and so many people's names written in there yeah. that I really was like, this is the word, the words that I needed. You know, physical abuse, we definitely have words to, and, and I experienced that growing up. But the other parts, I didn't have words to. And that book helped me have it. Um, when you talk about hidden abuse, mm -hmm. and of course, uh, in um, our psychological parlance, we would refer to that now as covert narcissism. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, what would be some examples of hidden or uh, the abuse or the covert narcissism that you would encounter? Yeah, hidden abuse for me is all of the behaviors that lead up to what would potentially become a physically abusive relationship. So you take out that physical abuse and you look at all the other dynamics, the covert control, the um, devaluing the person, the isolating the person from family and friends, the um, maybe manipulation of finances, whether that's exploiting them for the I call that the, the golden handcuffs. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's hidden abuse are all of the things that we don't see, but happen in the background. The only thing we end up seeing are is the physical, but it's everything before that that leads up to a physical episode is what would be called hidden abuse. And so it's the devaluing, getting the person to devalue themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that is so important in understanding the mind of a narcissist is how completely and thoroughly committed they are to living their false self mm -hmm. and propping that up. And, and it, with so many people that um, construction of the false self begins so early in life. And when I say early, three, four, five, six years old, uh, kids can start thinking, okay, I can reveal this, but I better not say that. 
And if I say something to this person, boy, I'm going to get in trouble. So I'll just uh, say whatever happens to be done there. And so you wind up uh, uh, when you are now an adult, you wind up just um, living according to um, what the, the expectations in front of you are. And then these adult, these kids growing up, they become the ones who perpetuate what was done to them. And, and they'll, uh, like you say, invalidate and all the rest. And we call that gaslighting. Uh, and someone needs to come along and say, well, I, it's not subconscious to me anymore. I see it. And, 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 and I, wanna, I don't want to play into that game anymore. Yeah. And, you know, when I wrote Healing from Hidden Abuse, I, I really looked at two different ways that people become narcissistic. And a okay. lot of it stemmed from uh, childhood, you know, either the old, over extreme overindulgence or through a neglect. But at the end of the day, people become vending machines. Narcissists kind of pop what they want and out they pull, whatever it is. But I'm also now seeing kind of a third way in this younger generation, this Gen Z, where we've got a lot of issues going on on TikTok, on some of these social media platforms, where normal healthy parenting is being distorted and called abusive. It's this third, and if I ever do a rewrite of Healing from Hidden Abuse, I'm absolutely going to cover this because a lot of times, you know, we were blaming parents and kind of blaming upbringing, and that is still very true. But we've got this third way that has emerged just within this particular generation where they are all together kind of in this vortex on TikTok talking about normal, healthy parenting, what we would consider, you know, love and logic type of parenting, you know, cause and effect parenting, and they are calling it abusive and they are calling it gaslighting. And they are, so we've got all this terminology that, you know, you've been working on for decades that I just joined, you know, later here in the 2015s. And, but now it's being weaponized. And I'm just really concerned about this next generation of what we're going to be seeing when just normal, healthy boundaries are being now referred to as, you know, abusive. You know, uh, one of my, you know, heroes of the past uh, in the world of psychological theory is Eric Fromm, and he was considered a, a social psychologist. And one of the things that he, he was back slightly after the time of uh, uh, Freud and Jung and some of those guys, and he would emphasize how we, uh, we need to make sure that we understand an individual's personality development inside the context of social constructs. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And right now, uh, with the advent of the uh, internet and all that goes with it and the many apps and, and all the rest, I mean, you got these kids that are just glued to it. And then you also have 60 year old people glued to it as well. It brings in a whole different dynamic. And when someone comes along and says, Hey, let's, uh, let, let's, we can do better than that. Uh, then uh, it's, it, it's just kind of taken over and it, uh, it, it allows for a certain type of self-indulgence to be there that uh, wasn't there when I grew up or when you grew up. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're going to have a real generation gap, you know, uh, between Gen X, me and above and this Gen Z, there's a huge gap. And, and they become this echo chamber for each other, you know, and with the algorithms of social media, you end up getting these kids and these young adults going into, um, you know, this trauma dumping and all of these other types of uh, behaviors that are going on where people are just kind of exposing themselves and all of the trauma they've gone through to one another. And it just creates this echo chamber of toxicity 
yes, there's, it's wonderful to be able to talk now openly about narcissistic abuse, to talk about different types of abuses, but then it's the, then what? And that's why I wrote healing from hidden abuse, because it's like, then what are we going to do with this information? Because an education campaign is amazing, but just sort of circling the drain and not really getting anywhere with it, it's really going to end up creating like a secondary trauma of listening to other people's really traumatic experiences or believed experiences. So Shannon, when you're working with people and you begin seeing some of these patterns that you're describing, what's your stepping into point? Uh, How do you address this with individuals who come into your therapy office? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I always start with why did they decide to find someone to work with at this point? Uh, that's the first question. And whether it was me or somebody else, because, you know, we always want people to be in the exact right spot for them. And some personalities are fit better than others. Some theoretical, theoretical training fits better than others. And so we always start with what are the goals? You know, how will you know that this was helpful in, you know, several weeks, and, you know, a few sessions, what would be different? And they often have an idea of kind of where they want to be and what they want things to look like. But what I don't start with is, a lot of times for survivors of psychological abuse, they'll want to start with, well, I'm obviously broken because I've got this relationship or something's happened. And here's what the abuser's telling me is wrong with me. And so that's what I want to work on. And why I don't start there is because all we're going to be redoing then is kind of regurgitating what the abuser has told them. Kind of like if they had been in a cult and came out of the cult, they would just be repeating everything that the cult leader had said. So what we do is we take our time to kind of slow it down, get through that education stage, get to that awakening, and then to boundaries. And then by restoration, we really can get kind of an authentic idea of, okay, maybe what red flags were missed without any kind of shame or blame. I I really like that angle. Yeah. Because to start it off, they would just be telling me what the abuser told them. Yeah. And so many times, I know when I was working with people in the therapy office, I would feel like it was just a complaint session. And right. And so you're talking about, let's, let's figure out first, what kind of definition of yourself do you want to have? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what seems to work and uh, what would you like to get to? And then, like you say, as we get more and more of a definition, what hindrances have, hel- have uh, held you back then? Yeah. And I kind of like to, when people will say I'm this or I'm that, I'll say, well, who does that sound like? You know, I do some kind of psychodynamic of where did that kind of subconscious belief system start? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we have to look back of, oh, well, that actually sounds like this person or this time in my life when I was younger. And I kind of formed this belief about myself or about my abilities or about what I could or couldn't do. And so sometimes it's. What are some of the most common misconceptions that about themselves that people carry on the inside uh, that uh, is a direct reflection of this hidden abuse? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, the, the one that I hear the most is probably that I, let's see, what do I hear the most? I really want to answer this authentically. I think it's really about that I'm not forgiving. I hear a lot of clients come in and say, my abuser has said that I just won't move on. My abuser has said, well, they don't say my abuser, but they're saying my mm. mom or my dad or my sister or my coworker or my spouse, whatever it may be, says that I just won't move on, that I just keep bringing up the past, that I just did that. And that misconception, what we do is we reframe it a lot is 
Well, the reason you're bringing it up is because the behaviors are still happening. And that's what the narcissist does not want them to do. They, what they want to do is they want to isolate every one single little pebble or single little moment by themselves, like a, a raindrop in a thunderstorm and be like, well, let's talk about this one thing. Well, that one thing might sound really petty, but you put 5,000 of those things together and exactly. now you have a, <laughs> now you have yeah. a pattern. Well, so that, go ahead. Well, it's that idea of like a jigsaw puzzle having to put all the pieces together and then we get the clear picture. But I think the biggest misconception that a lot of survivors start with is I just hold on to things and I don't let things go. I don't forgive. And I'm like, well, it's not actually kind of. Yeah. And the message that they're actually receiving is uh, you, what you feel, what you perceive, you're not valid. Right. Absolutely. Which then gets into the gaslighting, which is, and you don't remember it correctly. Because true gaslighting is not just having a difference of opinion. True gaslighting is trying to spin and control, you know, the, the victim to not be able to trust themselves. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One of them is entitled Free to Be, Finding Yourself Despite the Controllers in Your Life. Now, inside this course are various modules, and inside each module, it breaks down into various lessons with a video, teaching documents, and then also questions that go along with it. For example, inside Free to Be, you'll learn how controllers want to invite you into their games, but then you'll also learn about the seven principles of freedom, how to develop self-trust, and much more. Now, if you are interested in enrolling in the classes, you could go to our survivingnarcissism.tv website, click the link for courses, and you'll find that one and others. And I hope that you would find them to be quite therapeutic. And now, back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. Exactly. In fact, um, one of the defining features of narcissism is an inability to empathize. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm listening to you, what I'm hearing you say is that these individuals who have been on the receiving end of this hidden abuse um, have to remind themselves, I'm not dealing with somebody who has a, a primary goal of knowing and understanding me. These individuals have an agenda and uh, they've been wanting to cram me into si inside that agenda for as long as I've known them. And now finally uh, that I'm on to it, suddenly I'm the bad guy. And you, you kind of have to learn how to reframe your interpretation of their messages toward you. Absolutely. And what I always tell clients is, well, how does that, whatever action is, how does that serve the narcissist? Because there's always going to be some hidden way, if right. even if they're nice, even if they've done something, because that can get very confusing where people will say, well, the narcissist did this. Well, they're not going to be, you know, abusive every day, all the time. There's going to be good days. But every action has a self-serving purpose. And when we start to see that pattern, it's like, oh, yeah, they did kind of get that benefit or, oh, yeah, that did serve them this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not that long ago, I um, put out a video on my YouTube channel uh, called The Key to uh, Recovering from Narcissism or something like that. And the key that I zero in on is you, you have to learn to listen to yourself. And what I'm hearing you say is that many people who are dealing with these strongly narcissistic individuals have been on the receiving end of the message that says, no, what you say doesn't matter. Right. And what you feel is not valid or how you interpret is way off base. 
And so many times when you've heard it over and over and over, you finally collapse. And so you're saying, no, we need to get that voice back. Yeah. And I think there's a huge difference between, and we've lost this in society where you can think one thing and I can think another thing and that's okay. We don't have to agree, but that's not, you know, devaluing. That's not belittling. That's not, you know, name calling. That's not forcing the other person. Narcissists cannot handle someone else having a different opinion than them. I don't right. need you to have my opinion. I don't need to have your opinion. We can just agree to disagree. Well, that middle ground, they're just incapable of having because it deeply offends them that you're not going to take on kind of their belief system. You know, there's 7 billion of us on this planet. And part of the beauty of creation is, mm -hmm. and all 7 billion of us are distinct. Mm -hmm. In other yeah. words, diversity is built into all of creation. I love it. Absolutely. But not in a narcissistic world. Where <laughs> well, the that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> sky, sky's purple in their world and they want to keep it that way. And they well, want to convince you. The narcissist comes along and says, well, you're in luck. I'm the one person that's found the formula. And if I can just get you inside my formula, you and I are going to be just fine. And when you yes. look at it that way, it's so yes. absurd. It truly is. It's It's like, it, it, the absurdity and the arrogance it takes and the entitlement that it takes to actually think like, I need you to live in the way that I decided is correct um, for me and for you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's wild. It's just wild. What, what, uh, what kind of resistance have you heard from people that you're trying to encourage to shift their thinking this way? Uh, I know some folks are just sitting on go and it's like, oh, I was just waiting for somebody to talk with me this way. But yeah. others, I'm sure it's like, oh, I don't know about this, Shannon. Now, what resistance do, you, yeah. resistance do you sometimes encounter? I, I think most of the people that come in really are ready to breathe their own air, so to speak. You know, I think they're tired of living the other person's life and kind of being, I think it's Dr. Susan Forward in Toxic Parent. She talks about being a supporting actor or actress in someone else's life. And that, that resonated with me as growing up in an extremely dysfunctional situation with my mom. Uh, I was a supporting actress in her life for way too long. And, and I think that most clients that come in when given sort of the idea of, well, you know, that other person is just another person with an opinion, just like I'm a person with an opinion. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. And some of it, I'm going to put some ideas out there. They're going to be really stupid. So just, just sort through the good ideas and the bad ideas, you know? Yeah. I, I think most clients though are ready to kind of be like, no, I want to think my own thoughts. Yeah. I refer to the process as delicate detachment. Uh, I'm going to detach from where that other person is coming from. I'm not going to be mean about it or harsh. Right. That's the right. delicate part, yes. but I am going to detach. Yes. And one of the, one of the biggest things that I would uh, constantly feel like I needed to work with people on is um, the, uh, the insistence that they need to bring that abuser along with them in their understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. It's like, well, I, I tried to talk sense to that person and they, they just didn't understand. And so they, they double down on their efforts. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, at some point you just accept the truth for what it is. Mm -hmm. And when we say it's hidden abuse, it's hidden from you, but it's also hidden from within themselves. Uh, some of these folks have so rationalized 
and justified the legitimacy of them being inappropriate that you come along and say, let's talk truth. And it's like, uh, they can't see it. it. It doesn't exist. Well, I always tell my clients, because uh, I work with the survivors, is they the abuser has to rationalize it. That's how they lay their head on their pillow at night and go to sleep just fine. 100% because in their, correct. Because in their world where the sky is purple, it's not blue, all of this makes sense. All of this is, they just don't understand why people cannot get on board. <laughs> <laughs> and you're over <Shock>. there. <laughs> Yeah. Shocking. Shocking yeah. how we cannot all get on board to serve you, narcissist, and make your life, you know, so easy. Why is everyone so difficult? But I think with survivors, a lot of times just I have a two-tell rule. So I'll say, okay, we're gonna mention it once and then like whatever it might be to the narcissist. And then we're gonna mention it a second time. By the third time, we're kind of just nagging. And that's not on us, but by the third time we're being ignored. So I'm going to tell this person, hey, this is what I'm needing, or this is what, whatever, one time, I'm going to repeat it again. And after that, they just don't want to do it. They have heard it. The narcissist has heard it. They have decided within their infinite wisdom that that's just not going to happen. And so I really encourage survivors to go, you said it twice. They're ignoring it. What are you going to do now? Because going to the narcissist isn't going to be the answer, obviously. You're you're more generous generous than I am, Shannon. Do a one-time rule. <laughs> exactly. It's like okay, uh, explain yourself once. once and so, yeah. so okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll say it twice if I have yeah. To. <laughs> I'll even give them two times. Okay. The so third the, times the we're the out. rule. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll go with Shannon's more easygoing <laughs> style on that. But at some point, it's like if you don't want to understand, you just don't want to understand. And you do not want to understand. Well, and, and the words, uh, the, Im the implication of what you're saying is that if we're going to get beyond some of this abusive, shutdown, invalidating form of communication, we have to individualize our efforts. Amen. Uh, yep. we, can't, yep. we can't wait for that other person to see the light mm -hmm. uh, because what happens is eventually we wind up being every bit as invalidating toward them as they are toward us. And I, I do not want to mirror what a narcissist brings to the equation. No, no. And boy, can we get, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me turn this off real quick. And boy, can we absolutely get caught up in, and I'm going to, I'm going to multitask here right on your podcast and turn off my phone. There we go. Sorry about that. Sorry. How about that? <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, and now I'm 52. So now I forgot we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> about how I'm, they want to bring kidding, the I'll other person it. into yeah, yeah, we, we, we mirror uh, yeah. what they're doing yes and boy can we get caught up in their vortex and all of a sudden you're like whoa how did I get spinning in this tornado and this isn't who I am and this isn't who I want to be and you know I just think at the end of the day the hardest thing I tell survivors is this person's not changing and they just kind of look at me and I'm like I know and I'm really sorry to have to be the bearer of kind of not great news, but they are not going to change because I just don't believe they do. I really don't. That's my theological, that's my theological and my training framework is I don't think narcissists are capable of change, sustained, lasting change. We live in a world of formulas. If you follow mm -hmm. formula A, B, and C, then uh, good consequences X, Y, and Z are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And what if that formula, no matter how well you play it on your end of the equation, what if it doesn't work? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's the end of us, right? It's not the end of us as like a person, but it's the end of our influence. If we have difficulty making changes and sustaining changes for ourselves, we're certainly not going to be able to impose change on someone else who isn't interested in making change. And I find that any changes that someone who's got narcissistic personality disorder makes are temporary, they're self-serving, all of that. Now, can they move the, the needle down a little bit of some of those bad behaviors if it's self-serving enough? Yeah, I think, I think they can, but it's artificial. They're having to do it just because they're you know, motivated by not uh, maybe getting a divorce and, and having to you know, settle up financially, or mm-hmm. they're motivated by some sort of um, position they have within the community that they don't wanna be embarrassed by something, but they'll, they'll modify behavior, but true actual change doesn't happen. And that's where I differentiate between emotional abuse and psychological abuse. I think emotional abusers can be people who, because of drugs or alcohol or mental health that hasn't been addressed, or maybe they grew up in a home that was you know, aggressive or abusive. Those are, and they're feeding out of that history and feeding out of that toxicity. Those are emotional abusers and they do change. They can go to rehab, they can learn better parenting, they can get control of their anger, like reading your great book. There's a lot of things that people can do that can get better. I hope we all can get better. On the other side, psychological abusers, though, don't change because I think they actually enjoy what they do. I think they get some kind of entertainment out of it. So to me, emotional abuse and psychological abuse are very different because of the different drivers. Yeah, it's the difference between mood disorders and character disorders. Yes, perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Perfectly said. Okay. the The book is called um, "Healing from Hidden Abuse." Yep. We're talking here with Shannon Thomas, and Shannon, it's always such a delight to talk with you and, and stay connected with who you are and what you're doing. I, I can't tell you, you how too. much I respect what you've uh, done in your life so far, and it's going to be cool to watch the next decades go by and uh, see yeah, you continue thanks. with this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have said it before, and I mean it. You have been. Uh, without approval, you've been a mentor. Yeah, I, I didn't ever ask you if you would be. I just kind of took it on. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I adopted you as a mentor, and I just am really grateful for all the work and really being a trailblazer in this area. We came behind you, and we just so appreciate everything that you've done. You continue to do. I mean, you are just killing it out there on the platforms, and uh, and then the new retired age, but being able to spend that time to share everything. Well, hopefully this white hair here can give you a little bit of credibility. Uh, you and I have heard pretty much every story in the book, haven't we? And I am unshockable. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it, at some point it's like, okay, let's cut through the BS and just go straight to what is real here. And that's what yeah. you do. Uh, and you, like I said, yeah, your six step restoration program. I think it's wonderful that you've thought it through in such a way that is um, readily uh, accessible to your readers. So I would strongly encourage uh, our audience here on Team Healthy to uh, pick up on that book. Uh, You you have a website, Shannon? Oh, yep, yep, got shannonthomas.com. We've got healingfromhiddenabuse.com. We've got, we're we're everywhere. We've got Shannon Thomas on Instagram, you know, the whole thing. (laughs) Okay, you're out there. We're out there. Okay, well, Shannon, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And uh, for you, Team Healthy, uh, you can appreciate why I respect so much of what Shannon has to say. I hope that you're able to take what what we've been sharing here today and put it to good use. And I hope that the rest of your week goes well, and I'll see you at the same time next week. Bye.
Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We're so glad to have you on Team Healthy. 